when looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I knew it, I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friend. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shot suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hi, this is Steve Largent from the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.
childhood dreams, but on a more important scale, he has shown the type of quality in trying to be a good human being and showing true grace in mankind. Uh, one particular example, and I don't know the man personally, but I would assume it shows his true grace by actually remembering, and I believe the gentleman's name was Pete Gross, by giving him a game jersey when Pete was dealing with some health issues. He was a Seahawks broadcaster. But there's just so many things. But the end of the story, it's end of the day for him. I think he'll be remembered not only for his football career, but just his positive mark on mankind. His name is Roger. Steve, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Oh, I can't complain. Can't complain. I want to start off, though, I just want to mention, because we also know you're going to be doing it this weekend. Uh, we're taping on the 10th, but you're actually going to be making an appearance in Weight Plains this weekend, signing autographs and pictures and all the fun stuff uh, for some sports fans at a, a sports convention. How many of these type of things do you do, first of all? Uh, you know, I don't do too many. Uh, I probably do maybe two or three every year. I'll always do one up in Seattle, uh, and then maybe in Chicago or um, this one's in New York, um, sometimes uh, in Texas. But I just do them, um, you know, j- just two or three a year. Now, what kind of fan reaction uh, when people come to these type of events or where you're at in Oklahoma if somebody happens to run into you, or I should say in Seattle as well. Yes, you're from Oklahoma, but, you know, because you spent your whole playing career in Seattle as well. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it kind of varies on the age of the people that uh, that, that approach me. Uh, the younger they are, the, the less they know of my career. Um, and it's just a matter of, you know, uh, introducing themselves and uh, wanting an autograph or a picture or something like that. Uh, but people that are a little bit older and that remember my playing career, uh, then there's uh, more conversations about particular games or situations that I was in, and, uh, and, and they want to know, you know, kind of the behind, the behind the scenes backstage what was going on, what was I thinking, uh, how did I do this or that. And uh, the conversation's a little more um, in depth, but uh, it, it's always people have always been very gracious and uh, uh, very nice, and 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 I've tried to return the same. Yeah, and we talked here on the podcast. We talked to everybody from actors and actresses to wrestlers to other people in sports as well, and forms of entertainment, and. Are you one of those guys, and I'm just basing this off of uh, other conversations as well, are you one of those guys that when, if and when fans might approach you, talk a little bit, do they uh, remember things that you may not remember because you've done so much? Oh, sure, yeah. There's all, all the time there's people, hey, I met you at, at this place or that place, and, uh, you know, I, I can't remember all of those different things. But one, because... Uh, I had a stroke and it impacted my memory. And then two, I, I'm I'm older now and and my memory's going away anyway. But uh, you know, it's always nice to remember or, or to, to to discover that people do remember you uh, and your playing career, and uh, and and they you know always seem to have, have enjoyed it. And I certainly enjoyed playing for them. Exactly. 
Well, I want to mention as well, when doing my homework prior to reaching out to see about talking to you, which thank you not only to yourself, but to the Hall of Fame who put us in touch with you and passing along your information and such. It was a great turnaround, and, you know, I, I appreciate that for sure. But I want to mention as well, if people don't get a chance to see or haven't seen it yet, I'm guessing you're living under a rock, but you should check out the NFL Network special, A Football Life, they did on Steve, where they talk so much about plays they, and his post-career, politic career. And, you know, there's just so much into the story, his family life. It's a pretty awesome story. But one of the things I did learn about you, and it wasn't on that special, was that you're a big fan of technology. And obviously there's been a lot of technology to help improve the game of football and also other aspects of life. What do you think the technology improving has helped with the game itself? Well, I tell you, uh, one of the big things is uh, the way the game is covered by television uh, and the ability that the cameras have now of, of seeing almost every uh, nook and cranny in the game uh, can come under the coverage of, of the television station. So uh, there, there's no getting away from anything, uh, and, and, and that's, a, that's a positive. But the negative of that is there's so much waiting around now, waiting to get that, uh, that replay seen by the officials, if necessary, and I think that actually uh, is a detriment to the game. But, you know, there's certainly nothing that you can do and and uh, and be hidden from uh, the view of the public on the playing field now. And uh, that, that that is really amazing to me. Well, how about in particular with in, in terms of uh, technology as far as assisting in players' health? such as concussion, whether it be technology and new helmets or improvements in pads and just different things on that aspect. Oh, yeah. There's there's uh, more and more things that uh, are, are working uh, in the uh, to the advantage of the players and for the physicians that take care of the players off the field uh, in knowing uh, the severity of an injury or where the injury took place and, and uh how they need to uh, remedy that, and so that, that that all that technology is working in the players' uh, best interests, uh, and and uh, I think you know even even at the college level and and certainly at the professional level, uh, they're taking advantage of that. Well, I, I guess this would lead me to asking: You're in your early sixties, and you played a pretty wide open spot, being a receiver yourself. How, how do you feel physically day to day? Because I know there's been times that most people will bring up the Mike Harden, Harden hit and all that stuff. But just with the physicality of being a receiver, how do you feel today? Well, that's a good question because I get asked that a lot. Uh, and the answer is, I, 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 you know, knock on wood, I, I'm actually in pretty good shape. I still uh, run uh, three or four days a week and lift weights three days a week and um, you know, I play golf, I play tennis, uh, and I can still do all that thing. My, all, all my, my, my knees are still in good shape and elbows and shoulders and, uh, all the major joints are, are still functioning. And, um, so I, I'm really, I've, I've been blessed for sure. 
now, as soon as I say that, <laughs> I know that, uh, you know, I'm 63 years old now, and uh, uh, everything's going to start falling apart on me. But uh, at this point in time, I, I can still uh, do almost everything that I that I want to do at this point in my life, and, and I think that's a, that's a real blessing to me. Well, would you say that's key, though, mentioned there in your answer, by still trying to be active and working out? And you're not just somebody sitting on the couch at home. No, I, like, I, I, I can't. Yeah, I can I could never do that. I, I'm, I'm just an active person. I like to be outside. I like to uh, be doing different things. And I've got nine grandkids now, soon to be ten grandkids, and uh, I love playing with all all of those guys out in the backyard and uh, throwing the ball around and and uh, playing basketball and stuff like that with them. Chase, and uh, uh, so I, I like the fact that I can still do those things uh, with my, my kids and my grandkids. Yeah, well, four kids and soon to be ten grandkids, that sure as hell will keep you busy. And that's busy in a good way, which is awesome. And congratulations on the ten points coming around. Yeah, thank you. And so, Well, obviously, you've been honored by Seattle and all, by the team and everything. And we were just talking about the player stuff and such. Do you think guys in the last this will be the last question on that do you think guys are more willing to say to the coaches or the trainers and the doctors or whoever to say hey I'm banged up compared to when you played yeah I, I do I think uh, I think uh, players are just more aware of the physicality of the game and um, and 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 the um, the treatment that is available to them uh, than they ever have been before. But I would tell you still, I think I think the the number one ingredient for getting players back out on the field is the players themselves. Uh, I know that when I played, and I don't think it's any different today than it was then. But they want to be out on the field. Um, yeah. You know, the, you know, just just take me up and put me out, put me back out there, coach. It's exactly. not. It's pride yes. there. Yeah, it's not a coach, it's not a trainer, it's not anybody else that's pushing them out on that field. It's it's the player themselves. They want to be out there on the field. They want to be contributing. They want to be helping your team uh, win the game. And if when you're not out on the field, you feel like you're not part of it. And so that's the that's the one thing that has not changed is the player's desire to be out there on the field as opposed to being you know on the sideline or. Um, in the in the the, the booth, uh, listening to the game being called and played. Exactly, it's a fine line there between the pride and hey, something might be seriously going on here. But yeah, yeah, yep, that's right. But as far as Seattle, we've mentioned 14 years, your whole career in Seattle, the whole thing. As far as that fan base, because obviously it's become a big deal in recent years and some of their success and whatnot, that the fans out there in Seattle are known as the 12th man. You know, how would you describe Seattle fan base? More of a pro fan base, or would you say that's more like a, a college fan base? Atmosphere? Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I think that the fan base, um, it feels like a college-based fan, uh, where the, the, the support is more... A, a collegial 
than it is, you know, professional based. And by that, I mean, you know, our fans are very loyal and very vocal, uh, but they don't, they're, they're not, they're not a harassing fans to the other team. Uh, they're supporting fans for the home team and, uh, and very, like I said, very vocal about, about that. Uh, they've always been very gracious and hospitable, uh, but they're very, um, they're very much Seahawk fans, uh, and and you know that from the first minute of the game to the last minute, um, and so that's that's one thing that's really uh, played uh, in the Seahawks' favor. Uh, any home games in the last you know ten years, uh, you know you're going to have a real strong um, group of fans that are coming to the game, and they're going to be rooting for you, and and uh, you can play that to your advantage, and the Seahawks have. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. But speaking of a collegiate fan base, you went to Tulsa for college. However, also down the road from you is Oklahoma University of Sooners. Mm-hmm. So when you decided to go to Tulsa, both great schools and everything like that, and good fan bases when you talk about college athletics and everything. But what went into making that decision when it was time for you to go to school? Uh, well, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a choice. Uh, University of Oklahoma, uh, fortunately for me, they were going to a, a, uh, wishbone offense and they didn't throw the ball very much. And then they also signed Tinker Owens, uh, the, my senior year out of high school. It was the same as Tinker and he became the receiver and then they had another, uh, receiver they got from junior college and, uh, he was a great receiver. He played in the NFL for Cincinnati for a number of years and, um, and University of Tulsa was the only school really in Oklahoma that was still throwing the ball. And, you know, I knew as a receiver, I didn't want to go anywhere and block. Uh, I wanted to go and, and run routes and catch passes. And so uh, that and the fact that the university had a great reputation for uh, uh, getting a good education, uh, you know, my, my, my decision was, was made um, really before I even had the uh, – Opportunity. Well, let's fast forward a few years. You know, you're drafted second pick, but in the fourth round by Houston. You're cut, but picked back up to trade to Seattle, and things went the way they went. But going to Seattle, I've heard, and maybe you can clarify this, that the offensive coordinator, Jerry Rome, who you knew in college as well, was pretty much your ace in a hole to help you stay with the team, get or acclimated to everything, and allow you to play the game to help support your family as your job. Now, there's no question about that. Jerry Rome was the reason uh, why I ended up in Seattle when I was actually placed on waivers by the Houston Oilers, uh, and Jerry was really uh, the guy that was uh, actively promoting uh, me getting a chance he actually was up in Seattle before the draft and, and was really uh, barking at his guys in Seattle. Of course, everybody was new there uh, and saying, you got to draft this guy, you got to draft this guy. I coached him for three years in college, and they just never did do it. Uh, and so I went to Houston. And so when I came up on the waiver wire and Jerry was told about it, he, he just really uh, hounded away at the head coach and the scouts and everything, everybody like that. Uh, to to get me, and so they ended up trading an eighth round draft choice for me, a guy that didn't make the team, got cut, and was drafted in the fourth round. 
And uh, I went up to Seattle, and, of course, the, the advantage to me was that the whole team was new. Uh, this was the first year of the franchise, and uh, all the players still had tape on their helmets with their names on it. And uh, so I, I got to come in, and um, uh, I, I played the last two preseason games. There were six preseason games and 14 regular season games at that time. So I got to play the last two preseason games in Seattle. And... Uh, and, and the other thing that was really helpful to me was the fact that uh, Jerry had implemented our passing game and our nomenclature that we had for the passing game from the University of Tulsa into the Seattle Seahawks offense. So when you, he said to line up, you know, uh, split right 79, I knew exactly where to line up and, and how deep to run my routes and when to expect the ball uh, because I'd been doing it for three years in college. And uh, so that was really, really helpful to me. That and the encouragement that I got from Jerry as the uh, he was the quarterback and receiver coach, not the offensive coordinator, but the quarterback and receiver coach uh, when I came to Seattle. And uh, he put his arm around me after the first practice. I dropped a couple balls. He said, hey, Steve, just, just do the same thing you did at the University of Tulsa and you'll be fine. And that really was the encouragement that I needed to uh, – uh, to make it through uh, the rest of that training camp and, and into the regular season for my first year in the NFL. Yeah, and having a great relationship, a guy like Jim Zorn, who had a great arm, and then going on to David Craig as well, I'm sure had to help with uh, being positive as far as uh, having a good, you know, that whole receiver, quarterback, it's a has to be a good tight relationship, I think, to work well. You had two great guys there to play with. You know, I had two guys that uh, probably would never be listed under the uh, quarterbacks who have the greatest attributes. But I, I played for two, played with two guys, Dave Craig and Jim Zorn, who both were that, that liked to work and uh, liked to perfect their game. And that was the way I was. You know, I, I wanted to, you know, run perfect routes and catch every ball and uh, be where I was supposed to be when I was supposed to be there. And uh, they loved to, to, to work on their game as well, throwing the ball uh, when they're supposed to throw it, where they're supposed to throw it. And uh, it was just a great combination because uh, – and they, it wasn't just me. They were willing to work with anybody that wanted to stay out on the field longer and, and practice routes and, and – uh, you know, get just get the system down and get the routes down and get the timing down. Um, and 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 we did that. I did that when Jim Zorn was there, and, and I did that with uh, Dave Craig as well. And uh, we we really formed a you know great relationship uh, with each other, and and uh, that carried out uh, out onto the field. Well, I want to fast forward real quick because we only got a couple of minutes left here. That you, I would say had a great mind not only for the game but after your career and everything you went on to politics and we don't talk policy democrat republican and all, all that fun stuff we don't touch it but you got to be a pretty smart bold to get into congress uh, but i heard that your wife was the one who actually talked you into running is that correct yeah that is correct what was she like that in every aspect of your life in a good way? No, hey. no, not, not at all. I mean, she, we, we, we have been married since we were 20 years old, and so nobody knows me better than my wife did. And uh, it was just uh, a real passion for her 
not so much for me, but but I still was very interested in uh, the leadership of our country, and um, and so when she encouraged me to, you know, consider running uh, a race to to be in Congress, um, you know, I thought she was crazy, but uh, I, I said, you know, I, I'm willing to do this and and take a chance and and see what happens. And so that's exactly what I did. And, you know, I, I didn't major in political science in college. and uh, I was a biology major. And, and uh, so it was not something that was pre-ordained for me to do this. Uh, but uh, when I did do it, I, I uh, really put all of my effort into uh, winning the race. And then uh, once I won, uh, you know, knowing the issues and, and uh, why I believed what I believed, and uh, and then advocating for those. Well, and I didn't know that about you didn't study the biology and all, but and you have to, like I said, you have to be a very bold to hold that position in most cases, but also be a very bold to be a receiver. But how much of a learning curve was that to be able to? Okay, now I'm representing my district in Oklahoma. How, how much of a learning curve is that to be able to? figure out what you need to know and just everything like that. Yeah, well, it's, it's a steep learning curve. Um, you know, just knowing, uh, you know, how uh, committees are formed and what you do on those committees and the jurisdiction that they have and, uh, you know, uh, formulating uh, policy and how that has to kind of come up, go up through the, uh, the system and then go onto the floor and then be voted and then it has to go into the uh, to the Senate uh, and that has to be voted, and then it, uh, you come together and you have a conference and put the bill together again, uh, and then it gets voted on again in both bodies, and then if it makes it through that rigorous process over a period of time, uh, it gets to the president, and he can either sign it or veto it. Uh, so I, it was a process that uh, took me a little while to learn and to understand, uh, but, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not, Science, it's uh, it, it's politics, and yeah. so you learn you you learn it pretty quickly uh, once you're uh, in 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 Washington D.C. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want to wrap up by asking you two fan questions. They wanted to know about one besides the offensive line, since you still follow the game. What do you think the Seahawks need to work on for next season? But also, they wanted to know. What you thought about being outvoted? Uh, about the, your attractiveness, let's just say. Well, uh, you know, you're, you're, the person who asked the question is very astute in, in that uh, you start with the offensive line, and, and in Seattle, uh, you have to do that. Uh, they, their offensive line has not been representative of a of a playoff caliber team for the last three years. And every year they tell us that, you know, they've taken care of it with the draft and they hope the young players develop and, and they just haven't. Um, and so, uh, Russell ends up uh, scrambling around and, and, uh, trying to make plays with no protection. Um, and then, you know, the, the receivers are, are, are good receivers. Um, and, and they've actually performed fairly well. Uh, they've drafted a tight end from New Orleans, uh, a couple of years ago and, uh, he seems to have have trouble uh, integrating himself into the system, and I don't know why that is, but uh, that that has been a sore point uh, for the Seahawks. 
their defense has been a, a playoff caliber defense. Uh, they actually played very well. But this last year, they ended up having all kinds of injuries. So this is a team that's that has gotten older um, on Pete, and uh, they've they've replaced a few players uh, or gotten some younger players to to come up alongside them. But uh, it, it's a team that's that's probably going to see a lot of uh, turnover between this year and next year uh, because of the the poor play of the offensive line and injuries that they've had uh, this in this past season. But uh, what about the, the vote in '96? As far as uh, I, who was a people or time about your uh, personal appearance? How, how was that for you? They also asked. Oh, about about Cortez? Yes. Or no, no yourself. Yeah. Uh, about your oh. uh, look, get the most sexiest man alive, or one of those votes. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's all kinds of stuff that's been written about me, but. Uh, no, I, I'm 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 in good shape still, and I, like I said, I'm, my my health is uh, I've been very fortunate, and uh, I know that, uh, and uh, so I'm just I, I just keep moving along. But no, I'm in good shape, and and uh, I still follow the Seahawks. I'm an avid fan of the NFL, and uh, I just I just love the games. Well, do you have a presence on social media or anything like or on? Yeah, I don't. I I I just have. Yeah, I'm too old. I <laughs> I I don't have uh, a uh, a Facebook page or uh, Instagram or anything like that. But uh, you know, maybe someday I will. Uh, hey, we got to put the grandkids to work and show you how to do this. Then. That's right. Yeah. Well, Steve, thank you so much. All right. Thank you very much. Our fans mean everything to us. You really want to do everything you can to give them a Super Bowl. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jeff! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. I'll tell you what's up. Based out of Atlantic City, New Jersey, Geek Time Entertainment runs exclusively along with different events in the area to strategize with their partners who will benefit with increased exposure and patron traffic. Geek Time Entertainment will work with your event in increasing the event's traffic via social media, radio, and storefront advertisements. 
Holy cow! Also, they will help increase business for your company and event with different sales incentives. Duh. Whether your event will be small or even mid-scale, Geek Time Entertainment is the group to work with. That's what I'm talking about. Contact them today at geektimeentertainment at gmail.com or facebook.com backslash geektimeentertainment. Oh my god, who the hell cares? Excuse me! This is Vicki Guerrero and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.